0: If you brought your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, and uh, I'm going to need some help telling uh, today's uh, story to do today's teaching, so I'm going to call on some people to come up and help me. Uh, I'm looking for, uh, all right, I'll take AJ and Josh and Garrett and James. Go ahead, come on up. I'm just picking teenagers that are in their phones, I'm just telling you. Go ahead and take a seat. I need one more Nicholas. Come on up here. You got an easy job today. You just get to sit here. In fact, this was all just a trick so your parents could watch you the whole service. All right. So I'm gonna give you. A, I'm gonna give you a sign to hold. It's pretty easy. You have to sit here. If you don't behave, I will send you home. All right. All you gotta do is hold your sign. Uh, In Matthew chapter 20, there is a a story that Jesus tells, a teaching, a parable uh, about the kingdom of heaven, uh, which is pretty common for him. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like, and uh, I was uh, reading this story to somebody this week and they said, you know, I've never heard that story uh, and uh, I hear Christians say that a lot. So uh, we're going to have fun today uh, looking at a story of Jesus that maybe, uh, maybe is not right up there at the, at the freshest top part of your memory. It begins in chapter 20, and we'll just look at uh, the story kind of a piece at a time. Uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, Jesus speaking, says, For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner. He went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard, and he agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. Uh, oh, wait, I skipped a whole verse there. Oh, there's, wow, there's a lot of verses missing. Um, hey, this is I'm going to use the Bible. Go figure. All right, so for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. Uh, At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So he went to work in the vineyard at noon, and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working? And they replied, because no one has hired us. The landowner told them, then go, go. Uh, go out and join the others in my vineyard. You guys know this story? You know this? All right. We're going to test you. Uh, it's really uh, late August or early September is harvest season for, for vineyard owners in the, in the ancient Near East. It's, uh, and, and it's really a, a super anxious time if you're a vineyard owner. Because sometime like the middle of September, and you never know really exactly when, the rains come. And that's normally a great thing, but if you still have grapes on the vine and the rains come, those grapes are lost, ruined. And so late August, early September becomes this kind of race against time, a a rush to get the grapes harvested as, as soon as possible. Maybe that's why the landowner is actually in the town choosing laborers, hiring men. So normally this would not be the landowner's job, but the foreman's job would be to hire the the workers of the day. But maybe that gives us a picture of what's going on, the anxiousness of the landowner. Because the owner, not wanting to spare a man, instructs his foreman, to, why don't you keep working in the vineyard? where you're most needed, and the owner himself heads into town to find more help. It's a race against time, there's there's this sense of impending doom, that's maybe also why the owner keeps returning to town, four times looking for more help. If your grapes are still hanging and you see those dark clouds start to form on the horizon, in that moment, any worker would be welcome. Even if he had only an hour to give. If it means saving the harvest, you're gonna take whatever help you can get. See, in Palestine, a uh, super, uh, super poor community. Uh, many struggling to make ends meet. There, there's a couple of different types of workers. Uh, uh, two kinds of workers. There's, there's like the family slave or the family servant, and then there's the day laborer. So the family slave, the family servant, like I mean, this, this isn't a great position at all. But like, at least you have regular employment. You live with a family. You live on the grounds of a family family. And, and you're, definitely your kind of fortunes fluctuate with the family you serve. But if you work for a family, if you work on a large kind of uh, field or, or with an owner, like, like you don't ever have to worry where your next meal is going to come from. If you're a family servant, like, like your meals are covered. You're, you're not wealthy by any means, but, but at least you're going to eat and you know where your next meal is coming from. It's not the same for the day laborers. And, and that's really who this story is about. The day laborers are, are the lowest class of worker. Uh, you're, you're really on your own. You're, you're self-employed. Uh, and, and you live really a precarious life on the edge of destitution. So if you work, that means you get to eat. And if you don't work, that means you go hungry. And to be unemployed for even a day would have been a disaster. And The Jewish workday is 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. and, and the landowner, at least in the initially, agrees to pay a denarii or a day's wage. and And this is really like like this is minimum wage. I mean, this is just a subsistent wage. This is this is nothing extravagant. It would have been enough way. It, it would have been enough for that day laborer for him and his family to have food for that day, but not much else. And each day before sunrise, anyone looking for work, day laborers would go to a specific place in town where they might find work. Uh, When I lived in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, uh, um, there was a BP station in Hoover. I don't know if you guys, you guys know Hoover. You know where Hoover is? So in Hoover, there's a BP station, and it's still there, and it's really close to like a low-income apartment community. And at that, B, at that BP station, if you go there any day of the week, but especially on weekends, at, at dawn or before dawn, there will be loads and loads of mostly Hispanics, but all over from Central and South America guys standing there and it looks like they're standing around doing nothing, but they're there before dawn. And what they're waiting for is for you to pull up and negotiate a rate for a day for, for work. And so we've had lots of these guys come to our house and do work for us and all that kind of stuff. And we'll always try to, try to treat them fairly. And that's, that's what this story is about. They're, they're men standing around waiting for work. And really, there's, there's, uh, what happens is there, there are five groups of workers. The first is the dawn worker. Nicholas is, is our 6 a.m. worker. And then there's a 9 a.m. and a noon and a 3 p.m. and a 5 p.m. worker. All right, so we all on the same page? All right, let's keep going because things are about to get really interesting. In verses 8 through 12, here's what it says. It says, that evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a full day's wage. And when they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them as much as you paid us, who worked all day in this scorching heat. All right, let's try to walk through this. Like, there's so many different layers to this story. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, in, in way back in the Old Testament, it says, you must pay your laborers their wages each day before sunset because they're poor, they're counting on it. I mean, he's talking about day laborers. And if you don't pay them, they might cry out against you to the Lord, and it would be counted against you as sin. So at the end of the day, the landowner is, he's really like abiding by the law. He tells the foreman, okay, call all the guys in. It's time to pay everyone. Now remember, maybe it's a good time to review the contract. The 6 a.m., the dawn worker makes an agreement with the landowner at the very beginning. Do you remember? He agrees, they have a contract for a day's wage. He has an agreement. He, you know, They both agreed at the BP station, how much we was gonna work was gonna be done and what would be paid. He has a contract for one denarii for a day's wage. What do the later workers have? The 9 a.m. worker says, like, the, the owner says he would pay whatever was right at the end of the day. But if you look carefully, like, the noon worker and the 3 o'clock worker and the 5 o'clock worker, they don't have a, they don't have a contract. They don't have agreement. They don't even have a handshake. They're just lucky to have a job. So, so many fun layers to the story. When the foreman has everyone line up to receive their wages, he has them line up in reverse order, all right? So they came kind of in this order from left to right, but when it's time to get your pay, when it's time to get your, 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 your due, he begins with the 5 p.m. worker first. And when he starts here, the, the dawn workers, they instantly know, they go, oh, I know what's happening. I know what's happening. He's going to pay the 5 p.m. guy first so he, he the poor 5 p.m. guy won't see how much more he gives me, the dawn worker. Can you see him thinking this already? Oh, he's, he's just protecting that, that. You know, he's only going to get a little. He's going to get something, but he's not getting what I'm getting down here at this end. He doesn't want the, the end-of-day workers to feel bad when he pays the dawn workers more. And what happens next, and, and I don't want you to miss this, is a surprise to everyone. I was reading this story with, with a friend of mine this week, and he was like, that is the most communist socialist story I've ever read in my whole life. It's like, well, because when those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When the foreman gives the exact same wage to each employee, there, there are really two reactions. There, there, there are two emotions. The story only focuses on one, but, but there's really two. The first emotion is one of gratitude. Who on this stage is grateful? Grateful. Well, there's some that are more grateful than others. Uh, this this is this is a tough story if you're a type. Uh, this is this is a tough story for my wife. My wife is the fair police. You guys know my wife? Man, I love my wife to death, but and, but you could trust her with anything. You know why? She is the fair police. She's going to make sure it is fair. It's just the way she's wired. It's always going to be cut exactly the same for everyone. And, and like uh, this story kind of like uh, sometimes we have this irrational affection for fairness there there are some people like believe it or not there like there are scholars and people have looked at this this book scholars and theologians and and some of them like with a like complete dedication to things have to be fair have written like it's written in books that well that what they've said is the reason the 5pm worker got the same wage is because he worked harder somehow in an hour he worked as much and as hard as the dawn worker i'm i'm not joking because we believe in this idea of fairness. And, and I think that's to, to, to kind of like, Jesus is definitely like playing on that part of each of us for sure. Is it so hard to imagine a situation where the last servant to come might need a little? extra favor? Can you think of a reason? All right, so let's be honest with James. I don't want to pick on you too much. I know you're sitting here. There is a reason that the 5 p.m. worker was not chosen at dawn. Can you think of any? Yeah. Um, maybe he was sleeping. Yeah. Um, do you know that, that like, more, more than 80% of the homeless population in the U.S. has some sort of, like, mental or emotional delay or disability? I mean, maybe he, maybe he wasn't there, but maybe the, maybe the 5 p.m. worker is disabled. Maybe the 5 p.m. worker is in, think about this culture, the palace. You know, ancient Near East, like this culture, like who were the ones that were left out? Maybe didn't have a family. Maybe um, wasn't able to work a whole day. Maybe uh, can maybe the 5 p.m. worker was the elderly. Uh, just Adam's supposition here is like the the 5 p.m. worker was not the cream of the crop, right? If you had a whole line of guys standing at the BP station, the 5 p.m. guy was the one that nobody chose. Everybody wanted the 6 a.m. guy. The 6 a.m. maybe it's young or strong or skilled or experienced. Maybe the 6 a.m. guy already had a tool belt full of tools where the 5 p.m. guy barely has ragged clothes to wear. And uh, I I think it's like it, 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 this this story like like it picks on us and it, and it gets into us. Scripture plays I think to our prejudice sometimes uh, against uh, people who are unemployed, people who are just stand you know it says he was just standing around. It's easy for us to imagine that, that these guys are standing around because they're lazy or, or they don't want to work. But, but I think that that's mistaken because the landowner asked them, why are you standing here? And they replied, so no one's hired us. Think about this. These men aren't standing around just for the heck of it. How many hours have they been standing in the unemployment line? Yeah, And at the end of the day, with only one hour left in the workday, where are they? Still waiting to be chosen. Imagine that maybe the 5 p.m. guys aren't lazy, but instead are so desperate for work that they've waited all day long. Literally, with just one hour left in the day, they are still waiting, hoping to be picked. 11 hours with the impossible hope that they might be picked for even one hour's work. It's either dedication or desperation. I remember I said there's two, there's two distinct emotions in this story, gratitude and grumbling. Now imagine the guy that's been standing around for 11 hours Finally, gets picked for a job with no contract, no agreement. He he he. You know he's not the. This guy is not haggling over price. You know what I'm saying. the The latecomers make no protest. Their attitude was just, "Pay me what you like, but give me a job to do." I doubt the 5 p.m. guy. I doubt James even expected a full day's wage. Is that fair? He knew he wasn't getting a full day. Because why? We're dedicated to fairness. So he knew he was was just happy to get something because something is better than nothing. And he can't come home empty-handed again. Some of you have been unemployed. Well, the reason you're unemployed, right, was because you were lazy and didn't like to work, right? Is that because that's exactly how our world always works? Uh, any of you ever been unemployed for no fault of your own? Yeah, but we kind of have this idea, you know, we kind of have this prejudice about it sometimes. So now, just just imagine for a second what what the 5 p.m. guys must have felt when they receive a wage that's greater than their effort or ability. They receive a wage greater than their status in the community, greater than their wildest expectations. They receive a full day's wage. What do you think they felt in that moment? Appreciated, valued, accepted, empowered. Like, like, When people are really grateful, you can see it on their face. And I think you could read it all over like the five and the three. You know, like like you can just see the face of gratitude all over these guys. And I hope that they were so filled with joy that they couldn't hear the sounds coming from the dawn workers behind them. So we talked about they had this face of gratitude But there's another emotion that bubbles up in this story, and it's grumbling. Let me hear you grumble. I have this joke. It's it's like, you're a church. I know you know how to grumble. (laughs) Sorry. So let's look at it from the, the dawn worker's perspective. The dawn worker is now at the end of the line, right? Watching everyone get paid in front of them And the Dawn worker begins out like, man, this this landowner is awesome. This landowner is so generous. Look how much he's given these lazy, no good, bottom-of-the-barrel workers that, you know, they only worked an hour. Like and and then the reason, you know, obviously like like if he's just if he's gonna pay these guys who I mean he only worked an hour, James, I mean, look at him. (laughs) You know. If you're going to pay him a full day's wage, clearly, obviously, we've been here since dawn. Like, clearly, more is coming for us. Like, the dawn worker is thinking, man, we're going to make out like bandits. Now, we know that gratitude has a face and demeanor, but so does grumbling. And as the foreman pays the wage, all the way down to the dawn worker. I wonder how it starts. Like, first they're kind of confused, you know, like, okay, what's this? Then that confusion turns to appeal. Well, like the landowner, he's a reasonable guy. Let me just, you know, let's go talk to him. He'll understand. There, you know, there must be some mistake. You know, and, and you hear that in the text. You know, we're the ones that have been laboring since dawn under the scorching heat all day. But that appeal doesn't go, doesn't last very long before it turns to protest. They begin to grumble. How long before someone blurts out? Well, this isn't fair. That's when the vineyard owner steps back in. Look what it says in verses 13 through 15. It says he answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I, I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? Oh. This is like this is such good and rich language, and yet like it's it it hurts to. Isn't it my money to do what I want with? I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. What's wrong with that? I'm guessing these are questions that went unanswered, by the way. Why are you jealous of my kindness to others? I I wanted to be generous. Don't you understand that's who I am? And then verse 16, cryptic verse of the New Testament for sure. So Jesus steps back in. The story is over. Kind of always want to know, okay, what happened next? The story's over and Jesus steps. He steps out of the story and, and looks around. Everybody's been diving in super deep. And Jesus steps out of the story. And We don't really know exactly who he's speaking to because that would be helpful. And he says... So those who are last now will be first then and those who are first will be last. Wait, wait, wait. Is this the landowner or is Jesus speaking to the disciples or is he speaking to us? Around this story, the the, the Jews for sure, but, but the disciples also are, are jockeying for position. They want to be in the, the, you know, in the kingdom of heaven. Who's going to sit on your right-hand side? Who's going to be the one that's, man, everybody's in, but he's the one. Like He's awesome. Who, who gets to be this awesome guy that, that has worked harder and done more and deserved it better? Who's the one that's had perfect church attendance since they were three years old? Don't they get a little something extra? Have you ever been angry at God because of what you felt you had earned or deserved? Like this story is a warning to the Jews, the disciples, to Christians, to churches. Like like there's definitely a warning here like against feeling like we're better than others or uh, you know, because of our seniority at church. You know, this is my seat of church, and I've been sitting at this seat at church for, you know, like, we get these ideas sometimes. What if instead of grumbling, we practice gratitude? God's nature is to do more than we deserve. I want you to see, like, in, in the kingdom of God, like, he he He's not really worried about what's fair. That's hard maybe for some of us to hear because because love doesn't really like like somehow calculate less or more. You know Jesus even says cryptically and i don't I don't want to try to explain it away. you know the last would be first and the first would be last. What he says is like, okay." Fine, is that better now? Why don't you guys do me a favor you You guys have done awesome. Um, yeah, for sure um, or, or maybe the audience could the audience could tell me you you tell me on this stage. Who is more deserving of God's favor and grace? Just tell me which one. Who is, le- who is less deserving? I mean, there's some pretty awesome stellar Christians on this stage, guys. You tell me they're, they're all pretty much equal recipients. So why don't you do this? Why don't you guys just take your, take your time sheet and why don't you just tear it up? You just have to give them the right instructions and they'll follow to the teeth. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We can litter. Do they look, any, do they look different now? Who is, who is more deserving of grace? Who's less deserving of grace? Like it's only, it's only us That see the see these distinctions. Do you see that? It's only us. Jesus says, that's that's not how it is in the kingdom of heaven. We used to sing this song in church when when I was a kid. Jesus loves the little children. You guys remember this song? Let's, let's just sing a few lines of that. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, every color, dark or light. This is, you don't know the PC version? No. We don't sing red, yellow, black, or white anymore. <laughs> we sing every color, dark or light. Anyway. Every color, dark or light, they are. Stop right there. Stop right there. They are precious in His sight. You guys can take a seat. Thank y'all. Give 'em a hand as they walk on down. Oh, (laughs) dawn worker. This story is a whole whole lot like another story we like a a lot more than this one. Do you know what it is? It's the story of two brothers, one a prodigal who takes all of his father's wealth and squanders it, and another brother who dutifully, faithfully perseveres. And when the one who is lost returns, there is grumbling. So, which which character are you? By your actions, your attitudes, your prejudice—have you already decided that there are those unworthy or undeserving of God's kindness? Are you a grumbler? Or are you more like the 5 p.m. worker? I love the 5 p.m. guy. My guess is as soon as that that denarii hit the palm of the worker who'd only worked an hour, like like something inside him, like did he even try to, like I want to know more about the story. Did the 5 p.m. worker try to give it back and say, no, I'm sorry, there's a mistake. Did you know that I've only been here an hour and I don't deserve this? Do you see that? Chapter 19, like right before this story, Jesus is talking about entering this kingdom of heaven and he's, he, he doesn't give this kind of glowing example. Even the, even the disciples say, man, this seems really hard. And then the disciples themselves, they ask Jesus, they say, who in the world can be saved? And Jesus looks at them intently and says, humanly speaking, this is impossible. But with God, everything is possible, like the five PM worker, have you been hit with the, with the staggering reality that what you have received in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ you could not have possibly earned or deserve? May you come to see that we are all. 5 p.m. workers. That None of us is deserving. That everything we have has been given to us out of the deep love of God who sees each and every one of us as precious in his sight. And knowing that you are his precious one, how will you respond to God's gift of grace? Will you grumble? Or will you be grateful? Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you so much for your word and for the challenge of 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 these words. Father God, we don't talk about grace enough. We, we and 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 I confess to you, Father God, even you know, as a pastor, as a minister, with the one with a microphone, and the lights pointed at me, like too often I'm I'm trying to be the dawn worker. And so, Father God, if there's that piece of us, if, that, if there's that peace in any of us that is that is seeking to earn or somehow deserve or somehow secure a place for ourselves, Father God, man, that that's just that's a hard part of us that needs to be plowed up, frankly. Plant new things in us. Plant new seeds of grace in us that may grow. So as we see others come to you and drawn to you, when we see others that are called to enter your kingdom, Father God, let us not grumble, but let us be filled with the same joy and gratitude that you have Father God, let us practice the same kind of grace the landowner did. Let us give generously out of this this place of of kindness and love. Father God, that, that kind of love changes things. It changes us. That's the kind of kingdom you started and have called for and will bring to completion one day. And so, Father God, help us to enter it and live it out. Father God, we remember you in this time. We know that we're here, not from some merit, but only through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. It is only through the sacrifice of your son, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, that we are able to come spotless and clean, forgiven of all of our sins, and stand before you. Father God, bless us as we enter into this time of communion and response. We love you. And in your son Jesus' name, everyone together says...